Basketball fans, welcome back to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast. He's Marshall, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some NBA Finals hoops. We have uh, Golden State versus Boston. Definitely uh, media darlings in general as far as ratings and all that. We know Golden State, obviously, for the last decade or so, but Boston generally is a talked-about sports town, especially when it comes to the Boston Celtics. It's kind of youth against age. Um, obviously, the experience, uh, you can't even relate it. You know, it's not even really comparable for Golden State compared to, to Boston as far as the experience level. But there are, you know, both these teams are great, def- you know, defenders. Funny enough, both of them are really turnover-prone. It'll be really interesting to see uh, if Smart can, you know, contain Curry, which means, like, just make him shoot a bunch, make him go, like, 7 of 22 or something. That's pretty much containing him. Um, just, Just make it difficult. There's a variety of stuff that we will break down on today's episode. Of course, we will start by recapping. Uh, last night's game, game seven. And hey, at least the last few games were good. You know what I mean? Especially last night. Uh, Jimmy Butler came up short on a three that would have put him ahead. We keep hearing this. Um, that would have won the game. What? What? There's 12 seconds left. It wouldn't be win. I heard that all day during today when I checked out a couple different podcasts and uh, a couple different uh, television programs. But anyway. We're going to break it down. We're going to preview and predict it. Like I said, we'll start with a little bit of recap from that Celtics Heat Game 7 and just, you know, how that wrapped up. But if this is your first time listening to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. Um, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and rope though, if you don't want to and listen to the show in the browser or download it. You can find this year NBA podcast under the Rope Dope Radio platform on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcast. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or, or you have and you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. Now normally I talk about the prices start as low as sixty nine ninety nine a month. It is the best live on uh Live TV and on-demand, no audio contracts, no hidden fees. But for a limited time only, they're cutting the price for two months. That's that's a savings of $30. It's $54.99 for two months. And I talk about upgrading to the uh, Choice and Ultimate package. Well, if you do that right now, it's $160 value because it will come with HBO, Showtime, Stars, Epics, in. I almost said it's Cinemax. I almost said the nickname for that. That'll be for three months that you get that if you upgrade to the choice in Ultimate Package. All right? Just so you know, DirecTV Stream. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in my co-host, who, by the way, is a Golden State Warriors fan for, for those who haven't listened to the podcast. So he may be a little biased. He may be a little... Well, he was a little nervous last time against Dallas two weeks ago. So I, I'll straighten him out if he says something kind of strange uh, when it's just kind of homerism. But it's not a bandwagon jumping thing 
uh, for Golden State. So I know people will be like, oh, Golden State, what the hell? Now, this was before, you know, this way before, this was before Curry got on the team, for Christ's sakes. And I know that because I've known him for quite some time. All right. I had to get that out of the way. What's going on, Marshall? How the hell are you, buddy? Are, are, um, we're talking Cinemax? Did I, did I do the wrong show prep? Are we? Is, is, I is almost said Cinemax. <laughs> I almost said Cinemax. Are we I talking basketball? Pause. Yeah, I had to pause. I was like, don't say Cinemax. Ah, well, um, uh, anyway, I, I'm refocusing myself now. It's a great, deal. Now. It's a great oh, yeah. deal, even if it is just for skin and match. Sure, yeah, okay, what deal, yeah, fine, uh, <laughs> whatever works. Um, yeah, uh, anyways, uh, life is good. Um, I, big picture of life here, I, I, I think, shit, well, I'd probably even take this for granted, doing a, a natural, fun podcast, because I, I, I love, Twitter for sports and humor, and clearly, if you've been on Twitter or any social media over the last, I guess, week since we've done our show, there's been a lot of um, sad stuff. So even though that this podcast we do doesn't change the world necessarily, um, it is fun to do stuff like this because we we, we seem to keep having sad moments left and right. So if if I hope if you listen to podcasts, this is one hour where you can just relax and worry about sports for a little bit because. I don't know. It, we, there's enough going on in this world where we need a break from reality and shit. It's just, it's unfortunate what happened in the state where I live. And that's all I want to say. Cause I don't want to go off on some rant, but it's just sad. And I hope that it, just people find ways to stay safe. But um, with that being said, we do have basketball um, sports is something our country's always enjoyed turning to. And yeah, we have a, a series of the top two defensively ranked teams in the NBA, Chris, um, I, I know that there, it would appear to be, especially like the early 2000s, uh, a, a trend of like people who were not NBA fans is like, well, they don't play defense. Like they're, they're, everyone can score. Uh, what? This whole, and I love hearing it too, because whenever I do, whenever I do hear people say to me, Chris, well, the NBA, I don't watch because they don't play defense. Well, if guys don't play defense, why are there a lot of players in the NBA who were studs in college? that average like four to five points a game. It's like, huh, if they don't play defense, why are there guys that can't get off the bench? Because, well, it's easy to score. I mean, dude, you did it at Tennessee. You did it at Vanderbilt. You did it at UCLA. Mm -hmm. But you're averaging six points a game? Huh. Well, why has the points gone up in the NFL then? You call that great defense or do you call that the rule change? But we won't get into that. We won't get into that. So with that being said, I think you are going to see – some scores who are elite. Like I've never been in that camp because I know it's not true. It's just the the best scores in the game make scoring look easier than it should. And in this series, you have a guy like Curry and Steph, or sorry, Curry and Clay. It is. It's already starting. <laughs> I told you. That's what du- I'm here for. Du- double name dropping. Um, so obviously, uh, Steph and Clay are, are elite scores from three, and Tatum is becoming an elite score for his own name. And and Jalen Brown, who I was nervous about throughout the whole playoffs, has had moments where he's had some pretty damn good games. I would say Brown and, and Tatum have definitely been carrying Boston to the finals. Horford has had some games where he's definitely pitched in, along with Marcus Smart, who seems to be kind of hot and cold. So we have, even though we're going to talk a lot of offense, 
in statistically, Mike's been kind of sneaky. Yeah, he he seems to hit corner threes pretty easily. I don't know. He just, whenever I whenever there's a, a corner three, he 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 doesn't seem to miss. But I obviously the the media is always going to cover offense. But these are the two best defensive teams um, in the NBA. Um, clearly, you, there's been more media coverage of this past week because Golden State did close out. Um, I'm happy I was wrong on when we were predicting the conference finals. I really thought that Dallas was had a great chance of winning. Um, I guess I was just buying into what the Mavericks had done to Phoenix, but that wasn't quite the case. And Dallas actually had the third best defense in the playoffs. So defense has carried these teams here, but Golden State has made the finals. Um, I know that this, this is their sixth time in eight years. So um, there was a little bit of a, a Twitter thing back and forth, Chris, of like, you know, what's more impressive. Is it LeBron going to eight straight or Golden State going six out of eight? And, just to give Golden State compliment, it is hard to, for a team to do it. I know the whole LeBron angle, he is special, but for a team in currently nowadays to go with six out of eight with Clay back, I'm, I'm happy they're here. I'll be honest, I did not expect Golden State to be here at the start of the year. Um, Clay was, you know, still working his way on coming back around Christmas time. Um, Steph had kind of carried the team on his shoulders last year, but no one really helped him. And and he's uh, been shaky in the playoffs too. He, like he's yeah. been either really eh, or all of a sudden he'll just pop off and go for 30 and Draymond's another year older so to say to say if if any Golden State fan at the start of the year Chris said hey this team's going back to the finals I would have said I go I go bed go bed it at the window because I didn't see it coming I'm, I'm obviously happy I'm not going to complain I think we have a very fun series to talk about but for Golden State like you you do have that championship pedigree but man let's when this not get into started, the breakdown yet though no I'm just saying but if, okay well for game seven all right fair enough okay last night Game seven. Um, it, it, I'll, I'll have my quick thing. We'll go back and forth. It, it was a tough game to watch for your Heat fan. Man, you came out sluggish. You were um, getting beat down the court a lot in transition points. I think the the like the one of the first timeouts of the game. It was seventeen to seven, and Boston had ten transition points. And then at one point, the score was thirty-two to seventeen. And the transition was killing him. Uh, Kyle Lowry took a couple of dumb fouls, which Spolster kept man. But anytime a player has two fouls, you never don't yeah, want to yeah, pick two up your quick third. Fouls, man. And the second foul he picked up with like nine minutes in the first quarter, mm-hmm. he like just stopped the guy you. from hitting a three. Yeah, and it's like, like what are you doing? Why? So <laughs> they never really found their rhythm, and it was just it. I, I I'll say this, Chris. After after Miami won six, I really thought Miami would come out just a little better than they did in game seven. Obviously the game got closer, but in that first half, man, I was like, man, Miami, you won game six. People were down you for that one. And then you come out and, and Boston deserves credit defensively, but Miami's offensive game plan, it was just, it was just kind of rugged looking, man. It, it, it was a tough watch, especially for the first, I would say 16 minutes of that game, Chris, they really, it's hard for them to find any type of flow. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Miami, you know. That's the only thing that is in the back of your head. It was very – their offense, you know. Um, it's so reliant on Butler, and they obviously, you know, have shooters. Some of them play. Some of them can't be on the court anymore. Um, but their their offense is just to grind it out. I mean, how many times – I mean, just staying within that 10-point radius and under – Jimmy was just, you know, 
doing as much as he could to, to keep it within range. Yes. Um, I mean, he did a lot early that way. Lowry, you know, games three to five, you know, he had like 14 points in that whole time and like eight assists, whereas he had that big game six, 18 and 10, I, I think it was. But and it also just just having Jimmy back the last two games to where the health was on point, you could really tell that that beginning of game six is like, oh, yeah, Jimmy's back. He, he's fine. He, he's going to be just fine. Um, but yeah, you're right. It started out really funky. Um, their offense is just, it's not in shambles by any stretch. Of course not, but they do have to grind it out. It seems like they have to rely on Jimmy so much. Um, and, and a lot of it's going to the rack and points of the paint and Boston's not the easiest team. Although sometimes Butler makes it seem that way. Um, you know, Boston with, with Williams and uh, Horford, it's not, you know, obviously what they have at the point of attack, it's not easy to get buckets uh, down low, but you're right. It, it started out that way. Uh, but then by half, it was like, hold on, wait a second. You know, like uh, this feels like it should be at least, you know, 15 points or 17, but like it really felt like Boston should be up, but they did grind out that, you know, to get it there. And even, you know, as we talk about the second half, um, with 35 seconds left, Boston was up 98 to 96 uh, with the ball. And over a three-minute stretch, Miami made an 11-0 run, kind of similar to how they closed the half, but obviously they got it all the way back pretty much. Um, And just couldn't, you know, couldn't quite get it done. Jimmy Butler played all but two minutes the last two games. Obviously, he played every minute, 48 minutes. Uh, the last two games from Butler, you know, was just ridiculous. I, I do want to say, uh, you know, Butler's the first uh, player in Heat history with multiple 45-point games uh, in a series. Uh, I think he had four this whole run of playoffs. That's another record um, of 40-plus points. I mean, Jimmy definitely, like, you cannot like someone uh, for their personality or for quotes they've said or whatever. That's fine. But that shouldn't go into your formula as far as judging a player. You know what I mean? Um, I do got to give credit to the to the Heat, though, for hanging in and winning on the road. The Celtics, you know, it's kind of funky, but they're, they're not that great at home. But they found a way to do it. But even if you look at, you know, when they were up, when the Heat was up 2-1, to one, right, the Celtics had outscored or tied the Heat in 13 out of the 15 quarters. It was just like, it just felt like during game four, the stat popped up, and it was just like, it just doesn't, this is just weird. You know, like, how is this happening? I just, I just don't understand how they're not winning, you know, these games. That was the first game seven that, uh, under Spolstra that they've lost at home. Um, and they, what are they, 6-0 and now following a loss uh, are the Celtics. But that goes to show you, especially these last two series, obviously, uh, that, you know, they, they need to win back-to-back games, although it can be tough. But at home, it's so funky, and that, that goes with the experience that we'll talk about uh, in this finals matchup. But heading into this, 
The Celtics were 0-5 the last five elimination uh, games when the NBA was on on the line. So um, for them to get over the hump, I think it's the Celtics are 5-4 and all-time in road game sevens. No other franchise, this is from ESPN Stats and Info, no other franchise has more than two wins on the road in game sevens. No other franchise has winning record in a road game either, which is pretty freaking wild. But it kind of just shows you, you know, how inexperienced that we've kind of talked about them being. I do want to say first and foremost, Horford, 100, what was it, 141 games. He went a playoff games to not be in the finals. And uh, Horford, that was the leading, that led the pack. And you could tell some of those guys on the list, like Joe Johnson and others, were definitely victims of, uh, you know, LeBron in the East, just like Karl Malone and and Stockton and, and Barkley and, and Drexler and all those those players were, you know, stymied too. But they got to the finals on that other side, of course. But um, they it's crazy. This whole Celtics thing, seven road wins in the postseason. It's tied for the most ever, but it just shows you how funky they are at home. But I've kind of rambled along trying to get stats out for this game seven in the second half or whatever. But uh, let's get to the Jimmy shot. Well, for that, I mean, nowadays NBA, it, it's not considered a bad shot, but that's because of a guy named Stephen Curry. Like 10, 12 years ago, or I actually probably shit, about 15 years ago, if a kid did that in a gym or even an NBA player, like th- that was never considered a good shot. It's like you have a fast break going for a layup. And Curry kind of made it a thing. But when he did that, Chris, he also made a thing for high school and college and pros. And the the realistic truth is the fact that most players in any age level really can't do it. And you're still statistically having a better shot to score going to the rim instead of pulling up for a 27-footer or whatever league you're playing in. So that's become more of a thing. Obviously, if that shot goes in, Miami has a great chance to win. And obviously, front end of the rim, it didn't. Like, you know, maybe Butler can drive in there and, and get fouled. Maybe he gets an and one. I mean, you never know. But it's a wide open look. You're probably not going to get a better open shot. But again, like, man, that it's it's a it's a it's a it's a huge coin flip. Because I, I guess from that standpoint, if he hits it, they have the lead. If you go in for a foul or a layup, you know, who know who knows what's going to happen. So. It's not a bad shot. It's just statistically, Jimmy Butler, he really doesn't shoot many threes. I think yeah. it was in the bubble. He had like early yeah, bubble or last couple of years. Yeah. He's had, he's had, Butler's had a lot of games where he scored 40 plus points in a playoff game without hitting uh-huh. a three. I remember so, reading those stats off. Yep. Yeah, so. it's just not really in his DNA. Now, if that's like uh, Clay or Tatum or, you know, uh, guys who are elite three point shooters, a like, okay, bunch that's, of other people. Not yeah. even elite, just. Guys yeah, that shoot 35 or 36 and above, you know? Yeah, like I think Jimmy Butler's um, NBA prop for, like, making threes in the game, like on FanDuel or whatever, was, like, over under, like, one and a half. I was going to so say, like, neg- is there a negative stat that you can bet on? He, he's just not a three-point guy. But, again, spur of the moment, adrenaline's pumping. You hit that, the place goes nuts, and you not guaranteed yeah. finals, but you have a great chance of making it. So, huh. But, actually, that tied in really nicely because the name you mentioned is Horford. 
and kind of put a bull in Miami in this game seven of Boston, like either Bam Adebayo has really like taken a step back or Al Horford has seriously impressed me because a couple of years ago, Adebayo was becoming like an elite. I think you got to keep Bam in the forward. I just you know, in the bubble, wherever he, whatever happened in the bubble, he likes the bubbles. And and man, it's just like I was waiting for, it and he would score. But it's like Adebayo had to work so hard to score that whole series. And it's like as much as I might want to he rip Adebayo have a great for game not doing game seven, by the way. For I but for not, he did, but for not, it, it's like man, there was nothing easy. Like man, when he went, everything was earned hard, and a lot of times Horford was on him. So I got to give. A ton of credit to El Horford. He was guarding. He was playing on Giannis in the last series. He made Horford, I I think, look, you know, not like in an all-star like he used to be. Like, I don't know. Uh, so it's either maybe a combination of both. But Horford's playing out of his mind. But to see out of bio, it's like, dude, wow, I used to, like, just feast on people. But El Horford, dude, that that's probably the um, the X factor. I, I know it's kind of slot in the face, call him an X factor. But for what he's done for this team, like that probably not people didn't quite expect. Like he's really just like risen up to a new level. And this Especially is a dude that points. was, yeah. You know, points that threw me off because you could say Williams is just as important as far as a defender down low. Um, but sure. yeah, you're right. The points part of it is just like, whoa. Um, and really, if you look at the postseason stats, he averaged 15 points and eight boards, a steal, and not even a block a game. And he played 34 minutes a game, so it wasn't like he uh, – but that's what he averaged this postseason. That's not enough. <laughs> and I will say this for – we're speaking of Boston defense, as we kind of wrap this up. My, uh, I, I think they'll be tested just because, obviously, Miami struggled to shoot threes in the series, and that won't be the same thing for Golden State. Now, Golden State doesn't have a guy like Bam, but – the Miami, what, they were 6 of 34 on threes last night. It's like, man, that's that, – 6 oh, of 30. Six and thirty. Oh yeah, sorry. That's tip of the cap to Boston. Sure, for that that is great defense. But there was also a lot of open threes that were missed. But as you said, they don't really, you know, Vincent and Struce were your go-to three guys. Yeah, Lowry was just... one of six. Struce hit those two down the stretch, but otherwise he was zero of five five before it. Mm-hmm. Oladipo was one of seven from three. So yeah. So, but hey, uh, Boston's there, and they they. They took care of business. You went back-to-back seven-game series. So did Boston do anything good in that game, or is this just we're not going to talk about them? <laughs> I thought they, we were getting to the finals. They played last night? Yeah, they, they were I'm pretty sure they, the court. Court. Pretty right, sure so they to, played last night. To, 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 give, to give some credit to them as we go into this preview, um, that, hey, the transition offense, I, I as much as I want to rip Miami for playing – poor transition defense, someone's got to force the ball down the court, and it was Boston. Um, the the Van Gundy and Mark Jackson kept mentioning the whole game, well, the Heat got to get out and run. and But then they kept talking about how the Heat really couldn't, but Boston was getting out to run. Like, they did a great job of once, whether it's a made shot or even a missed shot, simply on the missed shots, balls up the court in Brown or Tatum's hands, man, they're moving to the basket. And it really surprised me, Chris, just because Miami is truly a veteran team. Their offense has their ups and downs, as we know, but like this is a team that defensively, like they were, I think they were fourth. So you had, you know, Dallas, Golden State, all these teams, Boston, Miami, they're all top four defense. Miami's got top four defense in the NBA. 
So how Boston was killing them, especially in that first quarter, again, down the bass, down the court almost effortlessly. It's like, damn, I'll, I'll give you all credit. As much as we want to rip the heat, um, the Boston deserves credit for Tatum. Tatum had the ball. There was no nonsense. It was up the court. Where am I going? And Boston obviously was cashing in on threes at a, a much higher clip, and they were making them count. And it seemed like, honestly, Chris, every time uh, Jimmy Butler hit a shot, it was a two, and then Tatum would go down and hit a three. You know, and they, uh, then smart. They did plenty something. of damage uh, driving to the hoop, too. Oh, they they did, yeah. And it seemed like Miami was doing a poor job of, of uh, like, pick and rolls and screens. And I know there was a couple of times where, like, uh, Tatum and Smart did, like, a pick and roll. Like, Miami just had a mental lapse. But it's like you can't afford mental lapses when you're in the game, you know, when you're playing for your finals life. So, yeah, to give Boston credit, um, Tatum, again, that guy, I mean, he's been – shooting a lot of threes in the playoffs, but he, some games, man, I, he, he's kind of been a little hot and cold at times, but he, he's... He had one he, bad game this series. He's one of those guys where you really can't leave him open. Like, I, I obviously, I don't watch Boston much. I'm kind of anti-Boston, but... Yeah, we um, know. His three-point shooting clip, I, I don't recall him ever being this good of a three-point shooter. Like, if he's left open, man, that, that thing's probably dropping. And, or, or he's actually done a really good job of even creating his own shot off the dribble. And that's something that, like, there's a lot of good three-point shooters in the league who are, like, running around the screen, bust and pop it. He's actually learned how to, like, dribble and step back on three, which is actually a, a really tough skill to do to give credit to a Duke slash Boston player, which I know I enjoy doing. But he's really transitioning his game to another higher level. Well, he's also facilitated. He's been a lot better playmaker. Um, that's evident. And his, you know, Jimmy had a great playoff run. He averaged 25 points in this series, or 25.8 or whatever. That's what uh, Tatum averaged 25. You know what I mean? So it wasn't as big a gap as people were talking about. Just if you looked at two games off of Jimmy, that or really three, basically. Uh, those, you know, because he had those in between times where he was banged up, so he didn't, you know, play as well. Whereas Tatum. Didn't get hurt this series, but he had that one bad game where it was like that. That's that's a bad game. Um, but the facil the way he facilitates this year and beats the double, gets the double early, and just makes the right pass over and over again. And that's why Marcus Smart had about four freaking times to put the icing on the cherry, Marshall. But he just couldn't drop. But they were wide open threes, which obviously. You know that you, you gotta you gotta give some, something up, and um, you know Boston's defense, you know offense, all that stuff. They just they they've grown. You know they've had a couple of almost you know the last chunk of years as we know this series Miami is the second out of three times two two out of the last three years they've met, and they they've taken step back and then they go forward then they take a step back and they finally got over the hump. Um, and so, you know, all that hype about them, at this point, they got to the finals. So they've lived up pretty – well, they've lived up to the hype right now. And now, like I said, the finals favorites right now, as we speak right now, currently, are the Golden State Warriors. Getting into this matchup, though, you said that, you know, picking them at the beginning of the year – 
before the season started is one thing because we really didn't know what Clay would even look like. And actually, Clay came back looking a lot better offensively than I ever would have dreamed of. Um, I knew he was going to struggle or not be as good. Not struggle on defense, but not be the guy we know of on defense. And that's just kind of – that's going to take a while, and who knows if that will come back. But I was actually surprised how well he scored once he got going and could play more than 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, that's in the regular season. But my point is, at the beginning of the year, when they were healthy, not with Clay, but when Green was there, um, they fucking looked good out of the gate, though. So I can see your point, you know, before the season started, but you got to admit, they looked pretty damn good in the beginning of the year before some injuries kicked in. That was without Clay. You know what I mean? They they started out really high. It was like, oh shit, they're looking damn good. Um, so so and as I, far as picking them at that point, I don't think that would have been crazy. Uh, whatever, twenty games in, whenever uh, you know Green got hurt after that or before that. Yeah, well, and I think to kind of summarize one reason how they got here is it's been the maturation of Poole and Wiggins. So. You're, you're right, Chris. I think that as people started to see, holy shit, this pool kid is kind of becoming something special. I think that is something no one really saw coming. So I think you're right. As the season progressed, you're like, okay, pool's becoming like the, what the little splash brother. Like I, w- people knew he was like a decent role player. I think was a fair way to categorize him. But when pools dropping 30 point games left and right, and then teams realizing, okay, if we once Clay comes back, it's like how can we cover all three of those guys on the three point line? That's really hard to do. And obviously that's an advantage they have. And also to give credit to Wiggins. Wiggins is a guy who his whole career he's been always a, a good player, maybe never lived up to his hype and maybe never quite found the perfect place to fit in. I mean the guy has always been a pretty good basketball player, but I think that he's how, not a one or two. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, you now and again, as Clay wasn't back yet, and Draymond was hurt for a good chunk of time. I think that the reason Golden State is where they are now is because of the injury. Well, yeah, injuries, weird things happen, but um, the amount of extra playing time Wiggins and Poole got to grow their confidence, help them improve, has been one of the reasons why they're here now. And Clay, I think he needs a full off season to really get back to healthy form because yeah. the dude is still. You know, if you didn't know, he tore his ACL and tore his Achilles. And a lot of people say tear, a torn Achilles is worse than the ACL nowadays. It appears to how doctors have the ACLs figured out about as good as they can nowadays. But that Achilles is brutal. So he will have his moments where he's a little bit hot and cold. But, um, yeah, so I, you're right. I do think that people started to realize, okay, this team is legit. Um, but I think that is from the maturation of just how the injuries fluctuated and how you saw Poole and Wiggins develop to becoming more – elite than people probably thought they were when game one of the season started. And as far, you know, I got to see Wiggins a lot night in and night out. And I knew, he, first of all, with Iguodala, yeah, he's back on the team, but at that time, he wasn't on the team anymore. You know what I mean? And they definitely need, and then Durant had left too, so they definitely needed a wing. They definitely, they needed a fucking wing, period. You know? Sure. So when I saw that trade, I was like, that's going to work for both, and Wiggins is going to fit in because he's around a bunch of shooters thinking that Clay was going to come back, you know, last year, right, when the trade happened two years ago. Um, the trade happened in February 2020. So, um, 
you knew you weren't going to have Clay that year, but you did think he wouldn't get hurt again. You know what I mean? Yeah. He got hurt this summer. So, um, and that was a smart move because when you, it's still technically the Durant thing went down as a sign and trade technically, because usually when it comes to those max contracts, a lot of times you got to do the sign and trade. You know what I mean? Sure. Now, that's just how it, because then it, you're able to fit it into your cap and all that. So technically D'Angelo came over and with no clay, that made sense. Now green getting hurt and Curry hurting his wrist or whatever. It was missed most of the year. That's why they ended up as the second worst team that year behind the uh, record wise, right? Right behind the, uh, the Timberwolves. That's yeah. why it was one and two Edwards and Wiseman, um, which will be interesting what happens there. But I knew he would be a perfect fit because See, the thing is, this is a perfect example of, you know, I understand Andrew looks like he just, sometimes he would just look like he just got up from like a long nap and you're just like, hey, dude, wake up. It's a game going on here, dude. But that's when you're relied on, like he has one job to do and his second job is to score. And when there's an open three, take it. And when there's an open lane, go. And sometimes he'll get a rebound get a, a, a junkyard dog, dog type of uh, bucket, right? And obviously we know like a rebound dunk or that nasty dunk. He's been doing nasty dunks forever. So I knew he would fit in because they're like, hey, this is a more structured, you know, you're going to listen to us because we've already proven we've won championships. It's pretty easy to listen. And all, not that he doesn't listen, but it's alertness, you know, always being there and, you know, that championship you know, pedigree, basically. So I knew he would fit great. And my point about Wiggins is there's certain things as a number one or number two that used to drive me crazy, but he was always a much better defender than people give him credit for because he always, for the most part, had to guard the toughest guy night in and night out. But see, people piled on him saying, oh, he doesn't defend either. That was always bullshit. That was always bullshit. He did defend. Um, I don't care what any kind of analytic – with your own eyes, you know, you're not going to get a bunch of blocks on the best player on the opposition team. Like, um, but speaking of odds, though, Boston began the season 50-1. to 1, And obviously, even when they were 25 – I mean, they had a losing record, then they were 20. Since they've been 25-25, and 25, they've been the best team in the league. But uh, this would – that basically, based on the, the odds before the season started, the, the Celtics, if, if, if they won, they would be the biggest long shot at the beginning of the year, 50-1, to 1, in 35 years, uh, which is kind of crazy. A little weird stat. It doesn't really line up to mean everything, um, obviously. But Steve Kerr, the only team he doesn't have a winning record against, is the Boston Celtics since Steve Kerr has been a coach for your Golden State Warriors. Some kind of fun, fun stuff. But, hey, let's dig into it. Golden State clearly has the experience and a little bit of the rest advantage, right? They closed out early. They have five games. Boston has three games or three days off. Now, they could have closed out game six and had five. I think that would have helped, um, you know, a fair amount. The thing they got going for them is there's only one game where there's a every other night. Like we said, they've gone since the second round, game three. They've played every other night, which is ridiculous. 
but they did it. Um, and, and so these gaps between games are going to help them so much. We've said both are great on defense. I would still put Celtics a little bit ahead on that um, just because of their overall length. Another thing is they're both turnover prone lately. It just seems like to me, though, the Celtics, and I know Miami's a scrappy-ass team too, and so is, so is Milwaukee, I suppose, or they at least played scrappy like they had in years past. I know the stats defensively weren't as good this year but for them. But they seem, Celtics seem, because they don't have a, a true point guard or multiple guys that can dribble really well, um, they seem to throw just bad passes. And I'm not talking about turnovers because, like I said, most of them, or both teams are bad, you know, turnover prone. But the bad passes mean it's too high, too low, off target, so you're missing an open shot. I mean, time and time again, I'm glad I'm not a Celtics fan because sometimes they'd be like, dude, what are you doing? You could have made this an 18-point game. What are you doing these last four possessions? Even in game seven, remember there was like seven or eight straight possessions for Miami that they didn't get a, a field goal. And it was like, dude, this is your time to, to separate. And it just, it just wasn't that. Um, how, let's, let's dig in to start, you know, getting some more keys in predicting this puppy. Well, I always, yeah. So we will do the question game. Cause I always like doing this for the final show. So who do you give the coaching advantage to? I know that might be a basic question, but I, I think, yeah, but I, yeah, but I know people are giving this Udoka credit, which he deserves. But I think from a coaching perspective, which does matter, because if you look over time and like well, it NBA, matters, it's just oh, not yeah. a. We know yeah. the answer. Is what I'm saying. I mean, you know, t- like whether it's unless been, he gets COVID again, but I don't think he's gonna. Whether it's been lineup adjustments or like so, from from a coaching perspective, which you know, game plans and strategies, it's a advantage Golden State. Uh, Kerr's been here before. The guys got the track record. Um, Golden State has won a game on the road in 26 straight series. So coaching advantage is a pro to Golden State. No real reason to debate that. I, I will give Boston's coach Udoka credit. It's his first year there, but clearly he's a little bit behind on just longevity and experience there. So uh, check mark for Golden State there. But he um, is a difference maker because they've had a lot of this same talent uh, core-wise, and they couldn't get over the hump. I'll true. That. So let, let's let's – Transition to one that be will be a little more debatable, but let's go to the bench, Chris. If we're talking bench for this series, okay, obviously we know Golden State has Steph and Clay. Boston has Brown and, and Tatum for their main scores on both teams. Who in this series, and I know the benches do get shorter come NBA Finals time, who would you give the advantage to for the regular, and I know lives may change, but who would you give the advantage edge checkmark to for the bench between um, Boston and Golden State for this NBA Finals? I mean, you know, I like some of the little pieces that Boston has off, but you can't really beat Poole off the bench. Yeah, I, and and maybe they'll they'll start him, you know, but yeah, you're right. So I, I'm, I'm You think like, they're going to start him? Well, I, I just, I don't, if, if I could see, maybe if they go small, maybe they would go Steph, Clay, and Poole, like Draymond Wings, I don't know. So they're but, trying to take away Horford and Williams at that point? That's, that's something Golden go State's – and it, this is not – I haven't read anything, but, you know, they, they've been known to go small at times. Maybe do go Steph, Clay, and Poole and kind of have a three-head, three-point shooting monster. Well, but, if you go past Poole, right, 
I'll say this. I do, you know, Williams is kind of up and down, but he's a solid-ass player defensively as well, whereas mm-hmm. I don't really look at Poole as a great defender by any stretch no. of imagination. And then White has been solid as hell, too. Um, now, there is some talk that Theus may get in the game more because, and this is a key point I want to bring up, you know, the, 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 the other parts are super, you know, like, especially when you're going against Golden State, right? I mean, this is – they have so much experience. They have the star power. They've been there, done that. They're not going to freak out if they're down in the game. They're not going to go from game to game with emotion. You can see in that one uh, that in the Memphis series where they put up 140-some-odd points, and then they got their ass kicked. But you know what? They, they, they turn right around and close out the series. You know what I mean? And that just kind of shows you. But as far as Williams and White, that combination, uh, guard in kind of a small forward swingman type guy, um, I do like that. Um, but back to Williams, he looked a shell of himself coming back in that game. And the biggest thing with him for three to five games, like closing out game six would have helped him so much to not have five to have five games without a full, you know, this whole time instead of three. And that is, as far as role players being, forget bench, just bench, but role players in general, um, Williams and Horford down low. Robert Williams the third has been very, very solid. And he's a very underrated player. And he's not looking good right now. This last game, he looked gimpy as hell. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe he did come back a little too early. You know, and that's the tough part of these playoffs. Like, you know, it's hard to tell these guys who clearly love what they do to, uh, let's say, you know, wait another day. You know, I'm sure the trainers give their advice, but any athlete. And the teams what, want him to play, too. Obviously. Yeah, well, whether you're a high school, college pro, whatever the level is, it, an athlete, if you can go 75%, it's hard to say, hey, uh, no, I'll take the day off. Not not many guys are wired like that. So, yeah. Are you Paul's the best sixth man off the bench. But, I, you know, for another player or two coming off the bench, I'd probably rank maybe those two. Ah, that's tough. Because we don't know Peyton's coming back either who could play a good role, too. Yeah, and, and he's done a good job being a, a scrappy guard for them. So I'm mm-hmm. with you. Obviously, they could have been sixth man of the year. Poole would have an edge there. Um, what are the uh, odds that they go with that lineup you're talking about? The, I, I'm just – if you went, yeah, Steph, Clay, and Poole, and then you had Wiggins and Draymond, like, yeah, I, that, that they might go. They would probably go Williams then, the other Williams, you know. Yeah, I, they're probably just, not going to go two bigs at that point. They'll probably be. They would probably put in uh, what's his name, Greg Williams or whatever the fuck. Yeah, Grant Williams. So, yeah, so I, I don't know. I'll be I'll be curious to see. And again, Kurt, eh, like that's benching Bogut for Udall is what won him one of those titles against LeBron. So you never know. Um, well, not having it, Kyrie and Love help too. Well, we won't well, get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, but again, matchups will change. They'll they'll, they'll make changes. Kerr might do some boxing one like he did against Luca. Who knows? You know. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Defensively, I I mean, I'll say this: the Saber metrics tell you that you deserve to put the check mark in the Boston box. Um, so I'll I'll do my little defend Golden State here thing. Okay. I will say that when when Boston played defense against Giannis, Giannis was literally their main goal, and 
you did have to worry about Holiday. Okay, with the Heat, it literally was Jimmy Butler. So who and okay, got and, and and a really poor three point shooting team. Again, why uh, Duncan Robinson ever played much? I don't know. So I will say now, Boston is on paper the better defensive team, but you're facing a team that's wired much differently. Um, it was pretty much the honest show, the Jimmy Butler show. Now you're playing a team where Curry and Clay, they're not looking to drive to the rack that much. I mean, they'll, they'll take it if it's there. So I'm, again, I'm not saying the Boston can't do this, but it's a different dynamic when you have Wiggins, Poole, Clay, and Curry who can all jack up threes. Now, I'm sure Boston will adapt to that. Like they could do anything else, but to see the way like Horford really contained um, out of bio and play great defense on Giannis of guys looking to drive. Um, I, 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 the one reason I'll say Golden State's defense is comparable is because they just have the experience there. And you have a guy like Draymond Green, who's probably the smartest defensive player on the court. So obviously you give the check mark to Boston, but it's a different team to defend because it's not a one man show. And Draymond is just a really smart player. So his expertise will help Golden State. And obviously, Golden State's main focus is Tatum. So again, check mark to Boston, but it's a different setup than what they've been doing lately, Chris. So maybe that will, maybe Golden State can find some weaknesses or some way to expel them compared to how they've been defending the last two series. Sure. And point by the way, though, they were able to get to the rack a whole lot on Dallas. They averaged fifty points a game uh, on Dallas. So that's probably. As long as they can keep, you know, as long as they don't somehow, I don't think they'll play Horford off the off the court. But um, oh, they're no, not going to play. A, the, they'll play the twenty year old Horford, twenty year old Horford out there jumping and and dunking on Giannis. I, he he's young, so we have to check his birth certificate. <laughs> um, but those two, both Williams and Horford, both Williams, right? So one of those guys are going to be on the court, but at least sure. Williams, if he's healthy, obviously. It, it probably would be Theus if, if Williams looks like he did in game seven. So points in the paint, like you said, the only thing is to get all those threes, you do have to drive, too, a little bit. True. You know, it's not like you just Driving pass kick. the ball around the, the perimeter all day either. And they do happen to be during the regular season, meaning you're playing a variety of teams that can hit threes nowadays and, you know, all five out and spread and all that. They are the best against uh, three-point percentage. But, yeah, it's a whole, totally different team. But, like I said, it's I mean, when you said, okay, the number two and number three guys for Dallas, clearly this is the number two is better, right, for Boston. Brown over Dallas. Brunson, yeah. Yeah. And then the down low, it's not even close with Williams, as long as he can be healthy, and especially, you know, Horford. So, it's kind of interesting how that works, you know, um, because like I said, Dallas or against Dallas, Golden State actually got to the rack a lot, or at least not necessarily to the rack, but easy buckets, whether it's to the rack or driving and, and being able to take advantage of the lack of size down there. And that leads me into size. We talk about defense. I mean, the size advantage is big. And so I don't know if it'll be game one where they would go small in the starting lineup. They may find it, Marshall, in a game, or it may, you know, let's say this. If, which I think this is ultimately part of my prediction, 
Boston has to win one of the first two games to win this series. I stand firm on that. But yeah. if they do that, right, which, you know, if they look at the track record on the road so far, they can do that. Sure. I do think that may be because, okay, we got to go small then, and maybe Kerr would do that. I don't think Kerr will start that way, but who knows. Not only that, but Looney's played so damn well uh, that it's like, dude, the, the Looney's key when it comes to that, uh, in my opinion anyway. Um, so, you know, let's talk. So size, the, the overall size. Smart's not a great point guard. He does assist, but dribbling and, and setting up other people, the tradition. Well, not even the traditional way, but he's not the greatest <laughs> when it comes to that, right? True. But he yeah. does average assists, though. It's not like he doesn't get any assists ever, you know what I mean? But they don't have – so it, it it hurts him a little on offense, right? But that's where Tatum's playmaking's come in. But defensively speaking, you know, they're freaking – like, Smart's their smallest guy, and he's 6'6". You know what I mean? And he's not a bully, guy you can just bully around the court – which brings me to Smart on Curry, and not only defensively, but offensively. We were talking about this before we recorded. I think the only place they can hide Curry will be on Smart, unless they're going to hide him on Williams, a Gimpy Williams. But if he's Gimpy, how long will he be out there? And then maybe hide him on Theus. But couldn't they just put the ball down there and do something? I'm not, you know. I think they could do that with Williams. Theus is a different. Uh, you know, he's just more of a junkyard dog, whereas you're going to get more offense out of uh, Williams the third. But let's talk about that. They've played against each other a whole lot, Curry and Smart, over the years. Uh, that's going to be key. Smart on Curry. He's always made it a little difficult. That's what your goal against Curry is. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to stop him, but you got to make him take tough shots. And then the other side of it, how much can Smart take advantage of Curry in the mid post? And I'm not just talking about bully ball. I'm talking about that little back you down, couple dribbles, turn around, little eight footer that Marcus can do very well. So obviously the highlight thing that everybody's talking about is clearly Smart's going to be, you know, on um, Curry. Uh, how, do, how do you fare there? Because you've probably seen that matchup over the last few years, right? Well, and it kind of reminds me, just to tie in your Wolves, kind of like Marcus Smart and Beverly are, are really the same type of player, you know, whether, you know. Um, it just starts way bigger. Yeah, you know, kind of like, just like, you know, uh, uh, John Morant does like Beverly, you know, Curry does like Smart. It's like they're, they're, they're those Beverly Smart, kind of those scrappy guys that their goal is to make your life miserable, and they do a really good job of it. Um, I, I think that, I think that to kind of answer the question around about way, I think that how, however good clay plays can take some pressure off of Curry. Cause if you look at that's, it, there's been some games where clay has looked like dude, like old clay, like in the, in the closeout games against Dallas and Memphis, he was like, dude, like dude, yeah. this is like 2015 clay, but in those nights where he's off, cause Shit, the dude had two years off of brutal injuries. Jim, that's that's more pressure on Curry. So I think yeah, that because uh, Curry's going to get his, he's going to get his shots, he's going to get his shimmies and all that stuff. But if Clay is having an off night, you can focus more on Curry. And obviously, he's smart. You know, 
what it's debatable. Now, some people liked it, some people didn't. But the guy was defensive player of the year, whether you agree with it or not. He is an elite defender. And, yeah, yeah. Like and, and um, is he top three? Who knows? Yeah, you can debate that, but whatever. But he's going to make Curry have to do a lot of work. And if I'll say this, how how will the games be called? Mm. I feel that we, especially in the first round, and shit, to go to your Wolves again, if you watch the Memphis-Minnesota series, that was a ref foul party. Jeez. It was like they got bonus, like they they was in their contracts incentives. Hey, if you bring this thing up to thirty plus fouls, we're in. Hey, is Scott Foster in this thing? Because I got to stop. I'm glad you brought that up. The Boston Celtics are eleven and zero with Scott Foster is refing during the 2022 season in the playoffs. Oh, plus Christ. playoffs actually. Yeah, not not yet. The season so, in the playoffs, eleven and zero. Is Foster it, it, in this bitch? And, and these are two teams that are super fun to watch because uh, just like Golden State's jacking threes, Bo- and Boston's up Temple, they're running. Like it, it could be a really fun series to watch. But if it does become a ref party, and we're averaging 16 free throws a quarter like Memphis and Minnesota was, which Chris is possible this year, that could easily happen. I hope it doesn't. But there could easily be a couple of games in the series where it's like, dude, can we have two minutes of flow? I'm not sure who that favors, but if we're going to make this more of a half-court game, I think that it will kind of make it not as fun to watch. Um, clearly, both these teams can run offensive sets from both ends. Like, I, it, it, both can create. But it will be fun to see Curry get open around the court, then Tatum, you know, answer back. Like, I want to have, like, a, an offensive flow to the game. But I guess if you are Boston and you're smart and whoever else – I think your game plan is just to slow them down as much as you can. Yeah. Chase Curry around the screens, get him tired, try to expose him on defense, because obviously he's not, you know, elite defender, never has been. He's not complete, utter trash, but Curry's not an elite or even B-plus defender. So right. um, I think Smart's going to make him work. But, again, if foul trouble happens, that's a plus for Golden State, because now you got to put someone else out there, and, and now Marcus Smart's on the bench. Um yeah, Williams I, is pretty good too. Well, yeah, that's the thing, Boston. I mean, they're they're, they're going to trot someone new out there to guard to guard um, Curry. But yeah, I so I think. What yeah, about Wiggins, is, Tatum? Different different type of player than Luca. Much more explosive going to the rack than Luca. Whereas Luca, we talk about his craftiness and all that. Um, better facilitator, although you know Tatum's gotten better at that. Wiggins and Tatum. Do you expect that to be right off the jump? Because I do. I, I just think it's little – the narrative I've been hearing from, like, some NBA media people is, man, like, you know, Dallas just kind of, like, came out flat against Golden State. It's like, well, well like, did, did people forget that Dallas knocked out the best team in the playoffs? So And I'm not saying that Wiggins shut Luka down because he – Luka, Luka. He just made it tough on but, him because if you look at his but, numbers, he averaged 30 points, but yeah. he made it tough. But but I think if, if we're if, before everyone just slams and blames Dallas for coming out flat, it's like no, I, I give Wiggins some credit. Now again, you can go back and forth on who's tougher to defend because they are different styles. But I think that Wiggins again, if he stays out of foul trouble, is gonna give you know he, he'll try to counter Tatum down as much as Smart's gonna do on on Curry. Obviously a different size player. Um, I, obviously there's not a height disadvantage, which I think is key. Um, there's been a lot of shots where Tatum's maybe had some shorter guys on him. And I know I'm kind of just like pinpointing moments of like the Eastern Conference playoffs here. But Tatum's, again, he's really developed a pretty quick pull-up three off the dribble. 
And at least Wiggins is a guy who, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm guessing relatively the same height, that it's going to be kind of difficult for him to do. So, yeah, again, if you're Wiggins, your goal is to make Tatum work as hard as it ha- as hard as he can turn those points. Um, and obviously, again, Draymond's kind of the quarterback where he'll kind of be bouncing around and just, again, they have, again, they're not statistically as good, but they just have so much that experience, which I think will be key. Just because yeah. they, they've, they've been there before. That's the one intangible as we're going through this series as we're getting ready to wrap this thing up is that that's the one part that you can't put a, a check mark on. It's that Golden State, they've been here before. This team ha, ha, has the rings. They have the experience. They have the coach. Now, again, statistically, Boston's a better team this year. But may, and maybe that's part of the reason why Vegas is making them favorites, Chris. Well, there's, if you look at the Saber metrics. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at the Saber metrics and the the gambling angle, Boston is probably a better team from a number percentage wise. But I think and Golden they just State, went back to back game sevens too. You yeah, know what I mean? they could yeah. have two more games rest, but they didn't close it out game six. Sure, you're right. You know they've lost a lot of home games, so I think that's that's right. Yeah. It is. yeah. So I, but yeah, I, I think Wiggins is gonna make him work for it. I think that you can put. Draymond on Wiggins at times two, or excuse me, on Tatum, because I don't think that. I bet you Boston would like that if, they, if Green was <laughs> No, you're right though. Because right. Tatum doesn't draw fouls like Luca. Luca's footwork yeah. is probably yeah, yeah, the craftiest guy in the NBA. So I know the fear was, well, if you have Draymond guard Luca, he could be in foul trouble ASAP. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that Tatum's easy to defend, but Tatum is not the craftiness. Oh, it's that's, yeah, yeah it's, he's different. So. And and Clay, if he was well, if if this was a couple of years ago, you'd put Clay on Tatum, period. And Clay's probably going to have a couple of games where he shuts him down. But that's not the guy he is anymore. So uh, he, again, he's got the IQ, but I'm I'm guessing he'll probably Clay will probably see some time on um, Jalen Brown, and he just again, he's not his older self, but it, it that should be a pretty good matchup. And that's and where that, the big lineup comes in because Green can't just like who like. Looney's down there, but Green can't do too much of perimeter guarding all these guys, right? Because who's going to be on, you know, who's going to be on Tatum, or not Tatum, but uh, Horford then? Yeah, I, that, again. Looney, okay, well, William, you know, it's funky. It's yeah, the, the, yeah that's, that's why after game one, there could be adjustments, or shit, there could be adjustments in the second half of the game, and that's where it comes down to what are we going to play, going to go small, like who who knows? I, and when I, when I said the – Put out, uh, you know, Steph and Poole and Clay all together. You know, who knows who they're matching up with? It. So that's where it does come down to strategic changes and who has the hot hand. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. That's why to kind of do the last check mark, who has the advantage offensively? I, I really think Chris that can vary from just game to game. Like, I, I mean, Golden State's uh, obviously a, a better three point shooting team, but. I mean, you know, but offensively, you could argue that, you know, it seems like Boston has about like seven guys who can kind of chip in and get buckets throughout the whole playoffs. And Golden State still is a little more, you know, based around Steph and uh, Clay and Poole. So maybe Boston is a little bit deeper offensively. Like, yeah, I don't know. So offensively, I'm not sure. I think you'd probably flip a coin on 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 that on that um, battle. I, I, who would you give it to? 
Sorry, my mic's been kind of messed up. I've been messing oh. with it. Uh, you were kind of breaking up. Say it really quick. Oh, uh, who would you give the check mark to for better offense in this series? I, like I was saying, it kind of could vary on a game by game basis. Yeah, I think it's game I, by game. Yeah. So. I mean, oh. I, I would favor Golden State a hair, you know? Sure. Because I think they will get better shots and they pass the ball better, but both of them just, just turnover central. So, uh, I guess we're getting now to the point where we talked offense, talk defense, talk bench, talk size, matchups, and talked that'll all be fun. Timberwolves. <laughs> we, I did have a, a lot of Timberwolves parties. It wasn't even you, me brother. doing it, barely. <laughs> Usually I so, find a way to stick that in there. We, we now get to the fun part and the predictions. Um, I'll, I'll go first and say that I do think that Golden State pops up some champagne, but I think they do it on the road. I think Golden State wins this puppy in six. Uh, so they'll be celebrating on the East Coast, and maybe they'll have a David Lee take the team out to Vegas. Well, I'm not sure the David Lee guy is going to be, but someone flies out to Vegas, and they get back to Golden State eventually to party. So I'm taking dubs in six. They win in Boston. Um, It sounds funny, and I'm not trying to make, you know, Williams the third out to be, like, part of the big three of Boston, but he looked like shit the other game. <laughs> he really looked bad. And even if they went small ball, at least they could rotate both Hartford. It'd be like them two playing the, the, the most minutes at that center position. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if they had to go small and it, having those two uh, for 20 minutes a piece or whatever, or 30 and 20, whatever it would be, um, that would be ideal in a small lineup for them. Um, I'm, I mean, I, I was going to pick Golden State anyway. It was just a matter of game six or game seven. And that's my difference. That's sure. why I'm not trying to make Williams out to be like a god. But the difference between a six and a seven, I think that that could play a part. Um, if Williams game one looks healthy, then I'll go Golden State in seven. Um, otherwise, I kind of, I'm kind of feeling what you're feeling as far as the, the game six. And it would be, it means, right, more than likely – well, not more than likely. I suppose they could win game three and game four. But it probably would mean it would be one and one, and then they won on the road. You know what I mean? Like somewhere in there in Boston probably won one on the road. And then, you know, the way Boston is at home, um, to lose game six, that would kind of line up how this uh, playoff series has gone for them. Um, so I'm with you. Golden State, I'll say six or seven. All right, just to wrap this up, this is just a fun basketball question. It's only be a minute long. Okay, can you think of just for fun the last state, Chris, that won an NBA title in the Western Conference that wasn't Texas or California? In the West, the, the last state that won an NBA title that and these teams weren't from Texas or California. Can you think of the state or even what decade we're talking this, dude? about? But this is such a good question. But why? Why do you, I mean? Come on, dude. What the hell? Because um, I heard it. In my I, I, my mind was just jumbled, and I heard the answer. I'm like, holy shit! Uh, see, but there's so much dead air when you do this. Uh, I have to really think about it, dude. It's it's a tough right, we'll, question. We'll, 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 we'll start that. That will um, we start our next show. That that that's the tease. That's the tease. When we start our next show. We will well, yeah, but that you answer. can Google it within a week. Just tell me oh, what it is. Right. So I mean, we're, going, gonna, we're not going to tease that for a week. <laughs> you're going back to 1979. Oh, shit, I wouldn't have went that far. From uh, Denver, Colorado. 
Yeah, what what a freaking bar bet that would be. 79 Colorado, last team that wasn't from Texas or Cali to win a title from the West. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that does line up now that I think about it. But see, yeah, man, I wish you would have told me that when we were talking so I had time to think about it. But my, I never would have gotten it. Um, it, it just hit me, my bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a bar bet question for your boys, man. It, it just and we know that it. they have a lot of teams in both states, but that's fucking crazy. <laughs> I know seventy nine, <laughs> and that's another reason why I want the Minnesota Timberwolves to go to the East. God damn it! <laughs> and why is Memphis in the East again or in the West again? Can you tell me that? Because they're I... more East than us. Sir, they're, they're central, central time zone. Central time zone, sir. Well, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> they are funny enough. But, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's crazy, dude. So, uh, on that note, That's a crazy oh, stat, though, I, I know. And in case you're wondering from a Vegas standpoint, uh, Curry is minus 110 to be finals MVP. Uh, and then um, Tatum is like plus 115. If so, Curry like, they're basically. Win the MVP this year, he'll never win the MVP. Yeah, I, I don't know. That'd, they that'd better be hope Wiggins doesn't go off. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> they better hope Wiggy doesn't go. I'm back to 30 points a game. No, it's good. Or shit, if Clay if Clay rejuvenates himself, yeah, like they, that's the, yeah you're going to get that for two years off. Poor Steph. But anyways, <laughs> on that note, we'll be back next week. Um, there will be uh, let's see, they play Thursday. And then so they two play. Games we'll be back. Yeah, so two games we'll be back. Hopefully, we'll be back to talk about the rest of the series. Hopefully, Golden State gets. They need one. They need one for sure. So on that note, enjoy your summer. Uh, hopefully, the kids are out of school and you can enjoy some beautiful weather, some golf, and just some family fun time. The boys are out. Have a good one. Peace.